Cool. Um, great. Um, Jesus uh, has won for us through his death on the cross something which is so amazing and so beautiful and then he asks us to cherish it and look after it and be part of it and he gives us that privilege and when you start to understand the way that he feels about it and the way that he loves it you really start to grasp the fact that here is something very special in Jesus' heart the church and our our response to that then follows his heart in that so um, I'm going to uh, use a scripture in a minute, uh, and I'm gonna. Uh, I want to use Chloe and Aled as examples of this. So, um, oh, my days. oh yes, <laughs> <laughs> this is their acting debut. So, um, on. yes, pressure's on. I do believe actually uh, uh, there's someone visiting here today who is a, a scout for uh, Warner Brothers, and so if you do well, you might get off a part somewhere. Anyway, uh, Ali, come stand here, and Chloe, come and stand over here. So, as you well know, Ali and Chloe got married recently. It's true. Wow. So, I am going to use this scripture. Turn it on the side. Inside? I'm going to use this. I'm going to use this scripture, um, Ephesians 5.25, which Paul wrote. Well, it's, it's, a, a, it's a chunk of, of, of Ephesians 5, which talks about husbands and wives and that interrelationship. But as he's writing it, you see as he starts to thread within this story of husbands and wives, the story of Jesus and his bride. And he mixes the two up, and there's a lot of interplay in the passage. So at the end of it, he feels, he's almost written it, and he feels, actually, I need to make sure these guys understand this, and I need to point out, of course, I am writing about Jesus and the church, as well as husbands and wives. And he, and he restates that to let us know that it's about both, and he's interplaying the two together. So we're going to look at this passage, but I also want to look at these two guys who have uh, uh, recently married. So... If we start from almost day one, before they got married, so guy and a girl, Chloe faces that way. Now, if we think of Alid as being both Jesus and Alid. <laughs> Easy to do. <laughs> Easy mistake to make between the two. And we think of Chloe as being the bride. Now, when he talks about the bride in the Ephesians 5 passage, it talks about the bride as mean, meaning the church. So Jesus uses this analogy of, uh, sorry, Paul uses the analogy of Jesus as being the groom and the bride being the church. Because what he wants to show is how, what is the most, the most intimate and loving relationship amongst humans 
amongst people, it is this husband and wife relationship. So what he wants to show, Paul wants to show here, is that Jesus loves the church with such depth that he describes it as Jesus being the groom and, uh, um, and the church being the bride. Now, not only does this come in Ephesians, it's not a new thing in Ephesians, but those, these passages, you see these quotes in the Old Testament as well, where there's this whole concept of the bride and groom being Jesus and the church. And, and that whole concept is there, and it's throughout Scripture. You see little, little notes here and there, and there, right to the end, I think there's one even in Revelation, about the bride of, um, uh, of, of Jesus. So when it starts, of course, Jesus has always loved his bride. Whether, whether the bride was interested in him or not. So actually in the first instance, when we were the bride-to-be, we weren't interested in Jesus at all. We're actually totally not interested to the point of actually looking the other way. And actually there might be like, well, do you know what, I'm vaguely interested in whether there's a God there, but I'm not really sure. So until he actually, actually appears in front of me or does something like that, I'm not really that interested in Jesus. And Jesus, on the other hand, is standing over here watching his bride-to-be in total love with her. This is Jesus and you as individuals before you became part of the bride. He watched you and watched you. He, he knew you and he loved you. And he cared about you. But, the, but you as the bride were like, mm, well... You're either not really that, don't really know, not really sure, or you're like, no, don't want to know. Don't want to know. It's a load of rubbish. There's no God. Where's God? Can I see God? No, no God. No God here, no God there. Can I hear God? Can't hear God. Can't see God. There's no God. And you're antagonistic to the point of you lot are talking a load of twaddle. Can be like that and worse. So let's go to Alid and ask him about the, his bride to be. Or Jesus and his bride to be. Mm. Okay. <laughs> so, easy question then. Do you love her? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Let's take this to a. She can eat, by the way. Yeah. Let's take this to a out of ten. Oh, How God. much do you love her? Solid nine. <laughs> Josh, do you have do you have someone in the church who does marriage counselling? Yeah. <laughs> Jared. Jared, okay. <laughs> you're on this one. Okay, we've got you. It starts this afternoon. Straight after this. You may even see them not sitting in the same places. And then ten? Ten. Oh, okay. Oh, okay. Oh, that's possibly a good size. Ten dollars. Ten. Okay. So 10 out of 10, 9 out of 10, or 10 out of 10, you absolutely love her a lot. Yeah. Really deep. <clears throat> yes. How far would you go to demonstrate that love for her? Am I going to need to do it here? <laughs> I'd go really far. And what would be the extent of... So if she was in, uh, in trouble and uh, needed rescuing... Yeah. To what point would you would you would you try and save her or I mean all the way, which is you put your life before that before I put my life before her. You put your life before her. Yeah. Why? Because <laughs> um, I'm because I'm I, I love I love her. 
So, sometimes, even when we're thinking about Jesus and the gospel and the Jesus and the bride, us over there, and Jesus here, and sometimes we can really um, almost like make it a, a, like a process and we can think, oh, well, Jesus was there. Jesus is Jesus, so he has to, you know, he has to go to the cross and he has to, he has to save us. And, and, uh, and, and so therefore, and I become Christian and that's it. And actually what we cut out of, out is if Jesus was standing in front of us and we said, Jesus, why would you, why would you, why would you lay your life down for her? Why would you do that? And the answer is, I love her. Yeah. And that's what he would say to us. And I think we miss it. I think we miss that whole concept of the way that Christ doesn't just look across and think, that would make a good Christian. Chloe would make a good Christian. I think, you know, she's quite a nice girl. Smart her up a bit. Knock some of the edges off. And, <laughs> and she might make a good Christian. No, no, he doesn't. He actually thinks, I love her. It's his, this is massive. Because this is this. Is this. <laughs> this is the two rings. I, I can't. Is it? Am I using it wrongly? Can I try? This is Jesus Christ loving the bride to the extent that he will marry her. He will have his most intimate relationship outside of his relationship with the Father with his bride. Those he saved. So what he does, is he, if you face this way, what he actually does is he comes to the point where he says, I will give everything to her. I will go to the cross for my wife. Chloe, come over here. This guy is willing to go to the cross for you. In that, you see, actually, for someone to die for you, there must be some sort of care and love for you in that. For him to feel that. And so Chloe, as the bride-to-be, just looks at Jesus and all of a sudden she's like, this, this person, this God, would die on the cross for me just to, to cleanse me of my sins. And so... In, in, so starts this relationship, this bride and groom relationship, where Chloe ceases to be the bride-to-be, but becomes the bride of Christ. And she becomes the bride of Christ when she's saved. At that point, when she is saved, she becomes the bride of Christ. Now, her, her, bride, her, her transformation into the bride continues up until the point she dies. But she's, at this point, she's the bride of Christ. And she has seen something... This is not a boyfriend who brings her a box of chocolates. This is not a boyfriend who takes her out for a meal. This is a boyfriend who goes and dies for her. A fiancé who will die for her. Cool. So, is it working yet or not? <coughs> yes or no? Yep. Right, cool. So let's go back to the scripture. No, let's not go back to the scripture. There it is. Cool. Is it just slow? Batteries running low. Um, so the rest of that, uh, uh, as we follow the Ephesians 5.25 on, on to 26 and 27, it says, Husbands love, do you want to sit down, guys? <laughs> husbands, husbands love your wives as Christ loves the church, or love the church. 
and gave himself up for her that he might sanctify her, having cleansed her by the washing of water with the word, so that he might present the church to himself in splendor, without spot or wrinkle or any such thing, that she might be holy and without blemish. Jesus gives himself up for us and dies for us to make us into a fantastic, amazing looking bride. Both man and female in this room. So here we have the bride and groom on their, on their wedding day. Jesus with, uh, with Chloe. <laughs> Jesus with his bride. Jesus with the bride of Christ. The, the very, see how she's, so here she comes without spot or wrinkle. Here she comes uh, beautified on that day as she is presented and made clean by Jesus Christ himself. So let's drop Alid from this. And move on to Chloe with a, a little secret, a little secret photo bomb by Becky in the background. There you'll all see. <laughs> Becky's like, I will get into this. I will get into this photo. I will get into this photo. And so that's actually Emma on the left yeah. as well. Oh, Emma, yeah, and Emma. She's facing the wrong way at the time. Yeah, sorry, didn't know this would be. That was going to be used. <laughs> so Jesus Christ dies on the cross for our sins. And we are washed clean of our sins, similar to the word that was brought in within worship today. And we are washed and we are made acceptable to our Father in heaven because we are made holy, we are made righteous. We are justified in front of our Father in heaven through the blood of Christ being, being spilled for us. And in that process, we become his bride and we are the bride of Christ. And that's the way it works. So... I am going to ask. I am going to ask you this, because this is something which I have been questioning a lot to myself. So a lot of people are, will ask, um, "How have you brought your children up?" So my children are all doing various things to do with God. Uh, we've got one leading the church plant, somebody else on the church plant, all just all and all with hearts of wanting to brace out for God. And I've asked the question, "What what do we do?" And I think one of the things, one of the differences that I hear a lot of parents talk about when they're children is that a lot of parents will teach their children to love Jesus. Fantastic. We do that as well. But we also teach our children to love the church. And I think that's missed. So I would use this. Love Jesus. Love the one he loves. The word's not spaced like that on my laptop. <laughs> it's, uh, it wasn't, it's not some sort of trendy, wordy spacing. Love Jesus, love Jesus, love the one he loves. If you really love Jesus Christ with your whole heart, if you have given your whole heart to him, actually loving him actually also means loving the thing which is most dear to him. And the thing which is most dear to him is Eulon, the church. So I struggle sometimes when I see people who say, do you know what? I'm not, I'm not ever going to go to any church. I don't like churches, to be honest. I don't get on with them. I'm going to stay out of church, but I love Jesus, and that's good enough for my salvation, where it might be. But actually, Jesus is going to say to them, that person when they, when they face the day of judgment, he's going to say, well, you saw in the Bible, you saw in scriptures how much I love this church. Why were you never part of it? Why did you never cherish her and look after her in the way that I've asked you to? Why have you never engaged in her with the way I've asked you? Why has that been secondary in your life? 
Why has the rest of everything else been more important than my bride? My bride, the one I love. And I think he'll say that. So I, I'm gonna, this is my challenge to you guys here. As this church plant grows, becomes a church, I'm going to challenge you guys with this point. If you love Jesus within this church plant, the, the, the question then falls to, do you also love the church, the bride? So that is, I'm not necessarily here talking about the organisation of the church. I'm not saying, right, let's all, let's all put our, our hearts on good first. And let's all, it's, not, it's not just about that. Because actually Jesus falls in love with us as individuals. And so he loves each individual one of us. And so do you love the people in this room? And God calls these people then to be together as his bride together to love each other as a group. Hence me talking about being, being together in church. Because church is a collection. So... I asked, uh, we, I asked Ali, well, I don't know, to be honest, I don't even know if I asked Ali, I think Ali just told me anyway, um, last night, oh, we, we went to um, restaurant Evans, as I was, as I was saying earlier, and uh, I, I asked, we was asking Ali about his proposal, and he said, he actually, I think, to really win Chloe over, I think probably at that stage she was already won over, but to win Chloe over, he, he, he came up with the five reasons why she should marry him. <laughs> Well, no, why I wanted to marry her. No. Oh. Well, the way you said last night, the English you use. So uh, and when I say the English, you use the English. So Alid said, because I am passionate about God. Fantastic. Passionate about God, passionate about Jesus. That is a good reason to marry a man or marry a woman, is because they're passionate about Jesus or passionate about God. Point number two was, because I am passionate about the church, Alid gets it. Now, it's possible that Alid was thinking when he was doing that, he was thinking, do you know what, I need to put down the things that actually, in my heart, are the things which, I just need to tell her what's in my heart, which is the most important things, and then leave it for her to decide that. And I think that's what he was doing. So when he says it's, it's God and the church, he really meant that. He really understands that loving God actually also means loving the thing he loves. Okay, let's move on then. So, I would say to you guys, it's very easy to say I love Jesus. It's not so easy to say I, to, to, to say I love the one he loves. Or, it is actually possible to say I love the one he loves and not actually really do it. Or don't actually see any action coming out of that. What does that actually mean? What does it look like? So I'm using a passage which I used here maybe two years ago, to talk about what that looks like. And this is the Acts passage. You're on it. Right. If I tell you, then you do it. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> do I like it in my hand, though? So, um, and so this is Acts 2, 42 to 47. And they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And all came upon every soul. Okay, let's stop there. So... What this is, this is early New Testament church. This is early New Testament bride. And what he's saying here is, 
This is, this is uh, Luke, isn't it, who writes Acts. He, what he is saying here is, I am, I, am, uh, I am showing you what it's like for the bride to love the one he loves within this passage. Let's carry on. And the prayer, sorry, uh, they developed themselves to the, te- the apostles' teaching and to the fellowship and to the breaking of bread and to prayers. And awe came upon every soul. And many wonders and signs were being done through the apostles and all who believed were together and had all things in common. They were selling their possessions and belongings and just distributing the proceeds to all as any, as any had need. Next one. And day by day, attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts, praising God and having the favour of all the people. And the Lord added to their number day by day those who were being saved. Okay, next one. Let me just move right on into the very first bit of this, which I think is really, really key about the Bride of Christ. So here it says, they devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And they devoted themselves to the fellowship. So what does fellowship mean? What is this they're, devo- they're devoting themselves to? So I think for the real understanding of that, because I, think, I don't think that the, the, fr- the phrase fellowship, I'm not sure in, in, in the way it works in Sweden, uh, in Swedish, but I, the, in English, you, no one really understands what it means by biblical fellowship. So if we, if we go back to the Greek, that's our... Greek, our, 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 our Greek expert, Alid, who probably doesn't know the word. Um, if we go back to the Greek about fellowship, fellowship means something which is deep. Fellowship is something, it's not friendship. It's not saying they devoted themselves to the friendship. It's not saying they devoted themselves to the church membership. It's not saying they devoted themselves to the group. It is saying they devoted themselves to the fellowship. And fellowship means... A deep relationship which is as deep as Christ loves the church. Basically the whole concept of the word fellowship here, which we we lose in in today's uh, Christianity, is this sense of that fellowship is someone, if I I am in fellowship with, with Josh, if he is my, if I have fellowship with him, he, I then love him in a way which means I would give myself up for him. If Josh was in trouble, I would do my utmost to help him because I love him. That's what fellowship means. It's much deeper than a, than a, than a surface relationship. And I think we miss it in the bride. So what church can be today is people attending church on a Sunday morning. And I'm going to sit here like this. And I'm going to just be attending. And this is my church. And I go here on Sunday mornings and I go home again and that's my church. And I attend it and that's it. And we miss, actually, the real sense of church is fellowship. And the real sense of church is, actually, I really love this guy. I really love this guy as well. And it's a love, a sense of love, that is so much deeper than what we really understand. And our churches then become this practice of, of, <coughs> of just attending and going home. And missing this sense of, hold on. Jesus is showing me something here about loving the bride. And then, this use this word fellowship comes up, and this is what it means. So he devoted themselves to the, to, the, to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship. Now, another word that I would use, because I think this is, this is extending Jesus' uh, 
Paul and the scripture, so it will be God's analogy of the relationship between Jesus and um, the church, is family. So the whole concept of marriage to the bride, family. The whole concept of us being together is family. Our relationships are, 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 amongst ourselves are brother to sister, or even father to daughter in that sense. It could be as well. Or, or sister to sister. And that whole concept of us being family amongst ourselves, which is in church. And there is a deepness in here which we grasp with our own families, but then when it comes to church, we just pay lip service to it and we don't treat us. So let me, say, let me use an example, and then I'm going to backtrack on that example, because I've already thought about this. Christmas Day, where do you spend Christmas Day? In your family. What? Family. Biological. So you spend it with your biological family. So here is the question. Are we actually then actually embracing family like we should do? And the answer is spending Christmas away from our biological family is not the answer. Because actually, you see each other. So if I take Josh, for example. Now, let's take even Nina, because Nina's found her in Sweden. If I take Nina and ask Nina how much time she spends with her family, biological family, in Stockholm, mum and dad, and how much time she spends with this family, she will say, hands down, this, this family gets 90% or 80% of my time, not my biological family. So actually spending time on Christmas Day, Christmas Day is fine with your biological family, and it respects your family, and you want to have good relationships with your family, especially those amongst you, like me, who have fam biological family who do not know Jesus. And I'm trying to win them for Christ. Not scare them off because I'm saying to them, oh, I'm with my church family, not you. And it's like, what? They're like, what? We're your family. No, no, I've got my church family. Yeah, but no, we're your family, Rob. You can't do that. So our attitude towards depth of love and relationship and family can be a bit... The English use this phrase willy-nilly. A bit like, take it or... You, you do. I use that. I use that. <laughs> it's a bit like, take it, take it or leave it. Don't really focus, you know, it's not that important. Is it important? Well, who knows, you know what I mean? It's like, hmm. Okay, let's move on, let's move on. So let's, let's talk about, so what does that look like a bit then? Okay, uh, go on. What does that look like a bit? And if we go on to, this is still on Acts 2, 42 to 47, we're going to stay in here for quite a bit now. Um, I've highlighted a bit here, and all who believed were together. So I've just talked about Nina probably spending 80% more of her time with you guys than she does with her biological family. Not so much Eric now, because he lives in your house, but the rest... <laughs> Um, but what it says is family were together. Here's a challenge for you guys. If you only see your church people on Saturdays, on Sunday mornings, then it, can you really call them family? Are you really investing in family? That's a question for you. Now, it might be that that's all I can do. My, my life, I've got three jobs to try and keep my ha a, head, uh, uh, a roof over my head, and that's all I can do. And that's fine then you've answered that question, and the answer is, this is as much as I can do. But if, actually, in your time you're thinking, do you know what, actually, I could spend time with, more time with those I love, then I'm raising that question with you. It's a gentle challenge. Have a look at your life. Is church for you a Sunday morning attendance with church people, or is it spending time with all those who believed who were together? And then it says, uh, click it on, I'm not sure if I've highlighted this one. 
Yes. In, and it says, and day by day, attending the temple together, which is Sunday, so it's saying do that, attending, this is the equivalent of a Sunday, attending the temple together, and breaking bread in their homes, they received their, so this is in their homes, they received their food with glad and generous hearts. So guys, these people are saying that they were in each other's homes, eating with each other. Yeah? That's what it's saying here. They are together and they're eating in each other's homes and they're doing, not only just doing it, they're not going there grumpily, they're actually doing it because actually they're really pleased to be. They're glad to be doing it and they're sincere. So do you know what? When I went to Adelaide and Chloe's, I didn't turn up with Joe, fit at the doorstep going, mm. well, do you know what? Even if the, even if the, uh, you know, the conversation's a bit rubbish and a bit boring because, you know, Adelaide and Chloe, they do go on. We just eat our food, it's a free meal and then we go again. Insincerity. Or even walking down, oh, hi, Alex, how are you doing? Jane just get, gets eaten food and goes with his friend. Oh, it's great to see you. We've been seeing you for ages. But it's, no, no, these guys did it in sincerity. What he's saying here is that these guys actually loved the people they were doing church with. They loved their family. They loved them. And so there was a sincerity. <coughs> so Joe and I went to Alison uh, Chloe's last night. Absolutely loved it. We had a great time there. And... Um, we ate our food with generous hearts. Towards you two. <laughs> okay, so when so what about what about you guys? So when do you eat with people? So I've been to two small groups this week, both a Tuesday night and a Wednesday night, and we ate at both of them. We were doing this. We were doing this. Yeah. I and I, I I'm like walking in there and I'm like, oh, this is great eating with people. It's like New Testament church. It's like being with the bride of Christ. It's, a, it's like sharing love with the people in this room, even though I'm a visitor, sharing love with the people in this room like Christ loves the bride. It's like loving Jesus, loving the ones he loves, or the one he loves. I debated about putting one or ones. I've left it at one because I think it's good reference to think about the church as the bride, it's singular. Not brides, but bride, singular. But then also, it actually refers, it also could as easily be the ones he loves, the bride, as being us plural. Okay, so eating together, it was fantastic. We enjoyed it and we loved it. So can you make those? So some of you might be sitting there thinking, well, that's all well and good for you, but I have to work late on Wednesdays and Tuesdays. We have, we have this thing with our family that we, that we go to and we, we, do you know what, and we can't do that. What I would say to you guys is, if you do not belong to a small group, I would recommend just join one. That doesn't mean you go to just have to be there on a, Saturday, on a Wednesday night or a Tuesday night. Just say to Alan and Chloe, Becky, just say, actually, we want to join your small group. We can't come on Wednesday night, I can't come on Tuesday nights. But we'll come along to anything else that you do, and if there are other things that are, that, that are going on, we'll, we'll pop along. And we just want to, we just want to, what Rob was saying on Sunday, on Sunday was that small group isn't just about that one meeting anyway. And we talk about that. Even the way we make our announcements on Sundays, we talk about it being that evening meeting. But our small groups are 24-7. It's about a living relationship with a group of people. That's what it's about. So actually, you might not be able to go to the Tuesday night or the Wednesday night, that's fine. But being in relationship with that group of people is great. So I talked to the small group leaders. I had a chat, to, I had a chat with them the, the other night. And I was talking to them about, as this church grows, when it gets to like 100 people, you won't be able to know everybody in the room. 
But if you're part of a small group, you can really know that bit of that part of the, the small group really well. And that whole sense of loving them. Actually, I really, I really love Alec because I really know him. And you can have that sense with you. You know this part of the bride and can love him. So what I'm saying is, guys, how are you doing this? I'm, I'm asking this question. How are you being together with the bride, the ones that Jesus loves? How are you doing that? And what does it mean in your hearts? So for me, do you know what? When Joe and I, Joe and I have left churches in our, in our past, we've gone, we've gone and planted churches, then moved on five years, six years, seven years. First church we were in, were, were for eight years we were there. And every single time we've gone, down, we've gone down the front to say goodbye and we've cried our eyes out. Absolutely, both of us cried our eyes out. We do not leave a church lightly. Not because necessarily, oh, we really, we're, we're, really, we're really disappointed to leave this church because it's got great values and all that sort of thing. Sorry, guys, and great worship. But actually, we really love these people. This is who we're, com- we're committing ourselves to the bride, the ones Christ loves. And we are, in, we are in love with this part of our family. And we would never think about leaving this church lightly. Not... We, Josh would never say to me, you can't leave this church. And he would never say that to any of you. He wouldn't say that. But actually, in my heart, I wouldn't take that decision lightly. Because actually, do you know what I love? So for me, for Joe and I, we actually really love committing ourselves to family we love and being with them. And it's a struggle for us to go off and plant another church. Because we plant lots of churches. It's a struggle for us when we fall in love with this part of the family. And we're having great, we're with this part of the bride of Christ. It's really a struggle for us to actually go off and plant another church. Even though God's going there, come on, time, time to go, come on, come on. And we're like, no, 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 we love this bit, we love this part. Hospitality, guys, we talk about hospitality and we talk about the function of hospitality. We talk about, oh, it's all about making a meal, it's all about having a cup of tea or coffee. Hospitality is in people. So when we went to Alden and Chloe's last night, hospitality wasn't about a nice warm home, it wasn't about nice food, it was about the way they received us. They were hospitable to us in the way that they, they welcomed us and loved us and cared for us. We as a church are hospitable not just to guests or, or to people that are, are the lost. We are hospitable to each other because hospitality is a love thing. It's not just a turn-off, turn-on um, thing we do. It's a, a thing we do out of love and care for people. So readjust the way you think about these things. Because it's just the way that Christ goes to the cross. It's not a, a process. It's because he loves, loves it. We have hospitality with people. Not because it's a process or it's the thing to do in this church. It's because we love the bride that's around us. Okay. Right. I just, I'm going to up the gear now. I'm really upping the gear a lot here. So you're going to have to stay with me. Hold on to your chairs. Because... Um, what I want to talk to you about is that actually church can be really comfortable with you guys, all quite similar in certain ways, backgrounds might be quite similar, and actually you can just sit there and think, do you know what, well, this really works with us as friends. And then all of a sudden you open your Bible, you go home that night, you open your Bible and you think, oh my word, Jesus spends his time with prostitutes, he spends his time with people who, who are <coughs> paralysed and can't walk, he spends his time with, with thieves, and he eats at their dinner table. He spends his time with this people, this people, and this people. You are called to live a Christ-like life. How that looks to each one of us is entirely different. But you are called. Did you drink my coffee? Ali did. Certainly. It's not your one. 
great risk. Um, so what I'm doing is I'm mapping the, the gear here because Jesus would spend more, as much time with people like you or less time with people like you than he would do with the bride-to-be. Chloe over here with her back turned. The prostitute. The thief. That's <coughs> oh, my wife. <laughs> the thief. No, that one. I'll go down in history. That day, do you remember that day? Robert said that Chloe was a... <laughs> As how do we mix amongst those people? So I wrote out a list of the things that, have, that I've got involved in, that Joe and myself, in terms of family, have got directly involved in. And to me, if I'm, if I'm going to say to you guys, I want to be part of a family that loves like this. I want to be part of a family that loves like Christ. So if I upset Ali by saying something, I'd really hope that our love together is stronger than causing a big eruption and us not speaking to each other. I would hope that our care for each other is much bigger than that. Why? Because we're family. Now, family can have tiffs. Joe and I were watching Suits, if you've ever seen it. One of the main characters... Hope I'm not going to... No spoilers. No spoilers. One of the main characters, Harvey, he has a broken relationship with his mum because as a child he was made to witness his mum having an affair and then keep it secret from his father who he loved and therefore he caused a broken relationship with his mother years later we see an amazing and fantastic bringing back of those two together and forgiveness from each from both of them and we see that take place now Harvey was really hurt and Harvey was actually scarred as a child for what he had to do but it was the why, why did that happen why was that able to happen years years later it's because actually they were still family. And actually, within all of those layers of hurt, right at the very centre of the core, they loved each other. We should love each other with a love and passion that actually forgives our neighbour who stands next to us, our family, our sister who stands next to us, our brother who stands next to us. So I've put a list of some of the things that I've... That I've um, that we've encountered. So I, I would love to be part of a family. This is what I would say. Who, if a single mum walks in here with three children in her wake because her husband has just had an affair and she is looking for, and her whole world has just collapsed and her, she's, she's, she's struggling uh, to keep the house above her head and I would hope that I am in a family that would just pick her up and love her and care for her and love and care for her children. That's the sort of family I'd want to be part of. I'd want to be part of a family that if someone was too ill to come to church on a Sunday morning, that the rest of the church didn't wag their finger at them and say, you're not really as good as Christian as us who come in, or you really should be at church. But actually the church has grace enough to care for those people even though they can't make a Sunday morning meeting, and still say, no, you're still part of our family, and we still love you. I want to be part of a family that on a Sunday morning, when someone walks in who has same-sex attraction, is loved and cared for in this family, and not hounded, chased out of the church. I want to be part of a family 
that when one of us falls, a brother amongst us maybe sins, that the rest of the church still loves and cares for them and, and looks after them. Not in a case which I saw, where when a, when, when a, when a brother was, was disciplined in church, no one spoke to him for six months in a church that I was part of. I want to be part of a church that when, a, when, you get a, that, that when parts of this family get a knock on the door at 12 o'clock at night and you open the door to a 17-year-old girl who's crying her eyes out because her auntie wants, to, wants her to take her first client as a prostitute, that that family loves and cares for her and does something with her as Christ would. I want to be part of a family that if you have a guy who comes in here who can hardly speak to any of you because he's got a speech impediment, you don't always see him sitting at the back because no one goes to speak to him because it's too difficult. But actually people in this, in this family will go and make an effort and it will be a struggle and it will be hard and you won't have so many laughs as when you're with your friends but they actually care for the people in their family. I want to be part of a family that actually... If there are people here who have no family for whatever reason and they're standing here come the middle of December or early December and they're hating Christmas because they know everybody's off with their families and they've got nowhere to go. They'll be sitting on their, in their flat on their own. The people in this family will pick them up and say, come and have Christmas with me. Come and have Christmas with me. I want to be part of a family where people love each other so much that they'll be prepared to die for each other. God never calls that. He doesn't call us to do that. But I want to be part of a family who loves each other like that. All of those stories happened to me and Joe. All of those stories happened at our house or around it in our lives. We've had all of those. Some of the deeper ends of church, of doing church. But it's being, why did we respond in a loving way to all of those things? Why did we do church? It's because we love Jesus. And because we love Jesus, we love the ones he loves. We have that same love for the ones he loves as we do for Christ. We're passionate about it. It's a different world, guys. This is church. And do you know what? All of those people, they, have, they end up with their lives being transformed by Jesus Christ. But there's more to it than that. Actually, it's us who need our lives transformed by Jesus Christ to be able to love and care for them in their difficult situations. It's us who need to be transformed by Jesus Christ to love the ones he loves. To love the ones that the rest of the world doesn't. Jesus Christ is not just setting up a church here. He is showing Gothenburg a new way of life. A different way to live. This church is much bigger than that. If you want a church where you can just go in, sorry to say, Josh, go in and just and just sit there and sing your songs and just say, "Yep, you know what? I'm I'm there with God," and then go home again. God's asking you to be radical. He's asking for a different way of life. If you look at the scriptures, you pull them out, and you all of a sudden you see something where God, where Christ loves people, either the bride or the bride to be, in such a way that that the rest of Gothenburg will be like, "What on earth do you do that for?" Why do you spend your time with those people? But in reality, what they're really thinking is, do you know what? It's amazing that they care for them. 
it's amazing they care for them. And actually someone cares, and someone needs to care for these people. And we're not talking about charities or state-run things, we're talking about people who love them and are gonna not just look at them as a project and bring them in, come on, we do a project for prostitutes. No, 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 no. Actually a church who says, no, come and be part of our family. Come and be loved as my sister. Come and be loved as my, uh, uh, as, you know, as my daughter. That whole sense of coming amongst you and being part of a family, not a project. How are we doing for time? Ten minutes, cool. So, I want to talk to you again, so something else again. I want to talk to you about um, participation in church. So I'm going to do another gear change here. What does, what does, what is, what's another way of showing the way that you love, you love church? You love the people in church? Well, I would say participation in church. And I'm going to talk about three ways of participating. So, for me, a great demonstration of love this morning in this room was Nina coming and bringing a word. God gave her a prophecy about dirt and, and stones and muck being piled onto the car and God wanting to clean it off, words sticking to you, and God wanting to clean them off. But even before that, God had given Verity, because I was watching Verity, and I was wondering, is she going to go, is she not? She had sitting there with her words. She had it on her screen before <laughs> Nina got there. Before, so Nina beat her, to, the, beat her to, to Josh. But when Nina brought hers... Verity had already had a word about God cleaning people with water. And it's just like, well, how on earth did Verity, with however many millions of words there are in the Bible, know to choose the ones that Nina was about to prophesy on? Well, she didn't. God told her. More than that, both of those two people stepped out because they love you lot. It's about actually loving and caring for you. Because actually, Nina's word, (coughs) Verity's scripture actually can change your lives forever. And we do not know if there's somebody in this room who is sitting here right now (coughs) who feels that their life has been changed forever by those prophecies and that scripture. What I would say is that when Nina brings a word in this church, it's like a ripple in eternity. It can affect someone for their whole life, which then goes on to eternity and their life with the Father in heaven. Just one sentence, just a few minutes. So next time Nina comes to the front and brings a prophecy... Or Verity gets her phone out with another scripture on. It's not, oh, well, that's, script, that's what we do in church. Let's just bring, let's listen to it. Oh, that was quite nice. Yeah, that was quite nice. It's not like that. <coughs> we are talking about lives transformed by Jesus, by those words and those scriptures. This is about loving the bride. They bring these because they love the bride. I'm challenging the rest of you. Think about work contributing on Sunday mornings. Prayers, prophecies, scriptures that God may land on your heads. Think about it. And if you're thinking, do you know what? I sometimes think I've got those things, so I'm not really sure. Do what Nina does. So Nina comes straight in and checks it with Josh. Come down to Josh, say, Josh, I think this, I'm not really sure. Is this me or is this God, you think? And Josh will tell you. And he, he might even say, I don't know, but it sounds good. Let's, let's go, for it. go with it, because it might speak to someone. Who knows? But come and ask him, and then you've got that confidence then of it happening. But guys, when you bring a contribution down here, it can impact somebody's life forever and eternity forever. Okay, that's, that's, uh, I'm, I'm going really to knit fast through these. I also want to talk about serving. I love the way. So, yeah, it's really great that we see you guys up in front singing songs and serving us on that way. Thank you very much. But it's really easy to thank the band. What about the person who set the, set the chairs up? What about the person who sits behind the, the, behind the, the uh, projector? What about the person who did the teas and coffees? What about the children's workers who are out there now? 
serving. Why are they serving? They are not serving to run a good meeting. That is a wrong way to think. They are not serving to make this church organisation run better and smoothly. Wrong way to think. They are not doing it to try and make us look a bit more professional, even though things might not be as professional behind the scenes. Yeah. <laughs> what they do, they're doing it because they love people. Every person who does that is because they love them. And they're loving the body. They are loving the ones that Christ loves. They are loving the bride. People serve because they love Jesus and they love the ones Jesus loves. When you go to heaven, I'm not saying this is why you do it. When you go to heaven, Jesus will sit in front of you and go, oh my word, Alid, you led worship so many times in good first. You did it so many times. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. He'll say, thank you so much, Alid. I really love you. And you did, you did well. And to have Jesus to say that personally to you is just going to be amazing. Now, I'm not saying you do it for that. I'm saying there's a, there's the, the bigger element is loving the body like Christ does. But Jesus will thank you. He will thank you. In the Bible, in Colossians, it says, live a life that's pleasing to God. Doing things for Jesus is a way of pleasing God. So, guys, think about it. If you're not serving, now maybe you can't serve. Or maybe you've, you've got, you know, looking after your family is, is, is too, is, that's, the, you know, that's the thing that I have to focus on on a Sunday. And you know, there are periods in your life where you can't serve. So I'm not saying that everybody here needs to sign up a bit of paper and sign and Josh, come and Josh, we're going to sign up. But what I'm asking you, asking you, have you thought about, actually, how can I help the church? Josh, how can I help? What can I do? How can I help it? There might be a way that I can fit with my family um, commitments and with my other commitments. Actually, I can still do things which I can help Josh, so can, if, you, if I talk to you about it. And, and Josh might say, yeah. What about money? Giving. Finance. How, how are you giving finance? We do not give finance to make sure this church runs. That's secondary. We give finance because we love the body. We love the ones he loves. That's why we do it. The church needs finances. It needs to have this building to run. Unless you want to meet in a car park somewhere in the rain. It needs to have these things. And I've, done, I've been to churches that do that, in, but not in this country, which is where it's sunny and hot. <laughs> <laughs> it needs finances to run. It needs finances to run. The amount of work that Josh has to do is huge. So he needs to be able to step away from his job a, a few days to be, able to, have, to be able to do that work. And why does he do that work? Oh, well, it's, it, he's, you know, he's in charge of the church. It's his responsibility. No, no, it's not. It's because he loves this group of people and he loves the bride-to-be, which is yet to come in the door, of which we might have seen some of those last Sunday when the gospel was preached here. I had a fr- I've got a friend of mine. Not had, I've got a friend. I was chatting to him uh, uh, a few weeks ago. And um, he, was, he, ha- he had a job in a company and he was taken on with very few qualifications and he, he was doing a very manual job in this company. Um, but he, re- he was really worked hard. And he went up and up in, in the company. And the guy who owned it really took a, 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 a shine to him. It was like the son he never had. And he really allowed him to do things and la- allowed him to take on more responsibilities. And in the end, he approached him and said, I'd, do you want to, I'd like to share the company with you. And so he said, yeah, yeah, fine. So he became a partner in the company. Within either the first or second year... It came to Christmas, and the guy came over to him and said, here's your Christmas bonus. Now, this guy earned 
same probably same salary as me. He wasn't wasn't or, or less maybe. And he came over with his bow and he said, "What we do is we work out the, the profits the company's made, and then I'll give you a, a check for it." And he gave him a check for half a million kroner. Just a check, just a Christmas bonus for half a million kroner. That'd be right, fifty thousand pounds. He gave him the check. He saw the check. On the way home in the car, God said to him, give it to the church. He's sitting in a car, and all he can think about is, how am I going to tell my wife? How am I going to tell my wife? So he got home, and he said, darling, I've got some really good news. I've been given a Christmas bonus, half a million kroner. She said, that's fantastic. That's amazing. We could really do with that money. But God's told me to give it to the church. And she went, okay, let's give it to the church. Next year, Christmas comes round. Boss comes up with a cheque, half a million kroner again. He goes, he gets in his car to go home, tries to drive really fast, so I've got this to speak to him. Puts the music on now, la 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 I want you to give the money to the... How, how am I going to tell my wife? Same thing happens again. He gets home, he tells his wife. God's told me again to give it to the church. She, he does it again. Gives the money to the church. Not, you know, it's not. It's his church. He's only part of the body. It's not. There's nothing special with him. He gave it to the church because he loves God. He listens to God, but also he loves the one that Jesus loves. The ones Jesus loves. So when you give that, when he was giving that money, this is not about giving money to a function or something. It's about actually giving to the people that are in it. It's the ones that people love. I just want to touch on one more thing before we finish, and I'm just going to touch on this because I think this is important. I'm not going to. Go, I was going to tell a story about it. Um, you just be oh, oh, eyes open to the to the for the bride to be. I think this church has got a great response for the bride to be, the ones who don't know Jesus but are likely to be or possibly could become part of the bride, the brides to be, men and female, male and female, out there. So last Sunday we preached the gospel in here. And loads of guests came in. That was really exciting for such a small church plant. And we saw people who were brides-to-be possibly had become brides. And that's really exciting. Free responses to the gospel. That was amazing. Let, let this church never take its eyes off the brides-to-be. Because what quite often happens is the church starts to look in itself. And it starts like... Oh, so what's, how's your week been? Oh, should we pray? I'll pray for that. You, I'll tell you how my week's been and we're praying. I know there's some lost over there, but we won't, yeah, let's talk, just talk about us. And, and, and churches, they don't really mean to do that and they're not being mean about it, but it's very much easier to spend time amongst yourselves as Christians and loving each other than it is to spend time amongst the lost and being out there amongst the lost. And if you do not build friendships and relationships with the lost, when you come to speaking to them and saying, oh, we're doing something at church on Sunday, do you want to come? If you don't know them, the chances are they're going to say no. If you've been working all year or, or last two years in building friendship with them, they might go, yeah, do you know what? I really, yeah, you're my friend. I trust you. I'll come. I'll come. It's going to be good. Yeah, of course it will. <laughs> yeah. So what I'm saying is reaching the bride-to-be isn't just about the final, Jesus died on the cross of your sins. It's not about just about that. It's about Jesus being out there. So when you see Jesus, what he often did was he pulled someone like Zacchaeus and he pulled him out of the tax collector's booth and he went and had dinner at his house. And so it's a bit about building relationships. So Jesus did that all the time. The prostitute that came into the house, he bought her dignity before he really shared the equivalent of the gospel, which obviously Jesus hadn't died at that point. 
And the woman at the well, the same thing. He brought compassion to her. The woman caught in adultery, he brought compassion and love to her. He does this with every single one. He comes to them first, before the gospel message sins part, he does something which indicates a connection and love with them. And he does that with people. And we, we should do that as well. So guys, what I'm saying is, make sure you focus on the bride-to-be because they're the ones Jesus loves as well as the bride because they're the ones he loves. Okay, I'm going to pray now.